enthusiasm, gratitude, honor, hunger, glory to God. Thank you, Father, for the word that feeds us. Thank you for the spirit that is drink to us, a refreshing to us. God, I thank you as I prayed at the outset that, God, we've, we've got open hearts tonight and an intention to be doers of the word. Because, God, we're, we're being reminded, we know what James said by the Spirit, that, God, it's only the faithful doer of the Word that receives any blessing. Thank God for knowing things. But if we never act on what we know, we can't ever experience what you have for us, Father. So I thank you that, God, that the Word of God's going to come forth clear and concise in power, in anointing, in love and truth. And, God, it's going to be received with an eager heart with a mindset to be a doer thereof. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, what God dealt with me about this afternoon was He said, uh, Son, I want you to just talk to the people. Tell the people how to believe me. How to believe me. How to believe me. And really, He said, talk to the people about how you have believed God over the years. How you have believed me. And so... That's my, I'm looking at the time, it goes by fast, um, so we're going to get to it as, as fast as we can. Let's get into some scripture though to start. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, the title of my message tonight is called Never Overthrown. Never Overthrown. That's the will of God for all of His children. That we take a place in this planet, we occupy ground and we never let the enemy come in and overthrow our position. Amen? Amen? Never overthrown. And if we do experience some sort of setback or defeat, we are quick to grab the Lord's hand. Say, pick me up, Father. Amen. To dust ourselves off, say, I'm ready to go again. Amen. Learn whatever lessons that are available to be learned in that setback, that thing, and then press on. Hallelujah. But I'm so grateful, you know, for the standard, for what God has made available. And what God has made available, His highest and best, is that you can never, you never have to be overthrown. Thrown into a place or a circumstance or a position of defeat. The Bible says that He always, Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus my Lord because He always leads us in triumph. God doesn't even believe in ties. Draws. We're not supposed to have a draw with the devil. We're not supposed to raise the white flag and, 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 and come into a peace treaty of compromise with sickness, disease, lack, fear, torment, any of the things the devil have to, has to bring our way. Amen? Now, I want you to live a life that cannot be overthrown. Amen. And you can do it. Yeah. You have to learn. You have to want that. You have to reach for it. You have to say, that's my standard. It may seem out of reach for me right now, praise God, but I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. I'm going to press in, and I'm headed that way. Amen. I am headed that way. Anybody in here like that? Yeah. Listen, your father, my father, is not pleased when we are overthrown. We're going to read a couple of scriptures here. It grieves the Father when we are overthrown. Or when we fail to appropriate the fullness of what He has made available, He's grieved by that. He's grieved by it. Amen. 
And I'm not like he's down on his children or anything, but it just wounds the heart of the father to watch any of his children live chronically beneath the blessing of what he's made available. And none of us have arrived. Anybody in here arrived? Because if you've arrived, I'm going to sit down. I want to hear you. (laughs) Amen. But right now, you're stuck with me. Praise God. Let's read some verses of Scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You ought to read the entire chapter at some point uh, if you've not read it real soon. And, uh, but uh, praise God, Paul is writing here and he's talking about the children of Israel, that first generation that God brought out of Egypt. And we talked some about them last week. If you uh, were here or if you've listened uh, to that message, caught up on the podcast. And uh, so picking it up in verse number three, Paul said, And of that generation all did eat of the same spiritual meat or the same spiritual food. Amen. And all did drink of the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock, capitalized, that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Ouch. God was not well pleased. Now why? For they were overthrown in the wilderness. So do you see what I said to you a minute ago is not just my opinion, me spouting off. It's right there in that scripture. God is not pleased when we are overthrown. When we are overthrown with a temptation. He's not pleased with that. When we are, when our faith is over, what he really means is their faith was overthrown. And they were put down. Let me read uh, these three verses from the God's Word translation. It says, all of them ate the same spiritual food. And all of them drank of the same spiritual drink. They drank from the spiritual rock that went with them, and that rock was Christ. So in other words, all of them, from the least to the greatest, were all, uh, they all had access to the same God. They all had access to the... They were all partaking of the same spiritual food. Now, there's a couple of ways to think about that. They were all eating the same manna that God provided from heaven. They were all drinking of that same miracle water that God caused to flow out of the rock. So they're all partaking of God's provision and seeing the miraculous nature by which God is taking care of them. But Paul's just not talking about manna and water. He's talking about the words they were hearing from God off the mountain and from Moses, their anointed leader. When Moses came down and spoke the word of God to them and the people heard it, they had an opportunity to eat spiritual food. Amen. And in the anointing and the miracles and the presence of God, remember the physical manifested Shekinah glory of God was literally visibly manifest with them 24 hours a day. All those days, all those weeks, all those months, all those years. It manifested in a pillar of uh, fire by night and cloud by day. And that presence, it would, just a, it would just be a wonderful display on all your senses. You could see it. No doubt you could feel that. And when an enemy came, like the Egyptian army, remember the pillar of God's presence that was the manifest Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, our Jesus, took up a position between the children of Israel and the enemy. 
And so they're all partaking of all of this wonderful spiritual provision. They all had the opportunity to learn. They all had the opportunity to heed. They all had the opportunity to grow. But they didn't. They didn't. And it says God ultimately, His judgment toward them was He was not well pleased with them. Why? They were overthrown. They were overthrown. In other words, because they failed to believe God, God could not bring them in to His highest and best. And they died in the land of less than. A lot of Christians today living in the land of less than. They got a less than mind. I'm not saying they're dumb or unintelligent. I'm just saying the quality of their mind is less than than what God has made available. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. I mean, come on. They're emotionally tormented. They live in chronic financial distress. Their relationships are a mess. Hello. Their bodies are broken. Sickness is a common thing. And see, in God's mind, that's not the land God wants us living in. Now, they were in for a short period of time. It was the will of God for them to be in the wilderness and to experience that and to go through it. But God wanted them to pass through the land of less than. Get on over across the Jordan into the land that flowed with milk and honey. Come on, the promised land which represents the baptism with the Holy Ghost and God's highest and best covenant blessings for us down here on the earth. Amen. Now, I looked up this word overthrown. And the word overthrown in the Greek is very interesting. The Greek word that is translated overthrown in the English is where we get our English word catastrophe. Catastrophe. Don't ask me to pronounce the Greek enunciation of it. But that's where it is. So it literally, in the original, it means a catastrophe. And it it means a turning down, a throwing down, a subverting, a defeat, a pulling down, an overthrowing of faith. An overthrowing of faith. Oh, So these first precious Israelites out in the wilderness experienced a catastrophe. Because the enemy, they let the enemy overthrow and pull down their faith. Go over to uh, Hebrews chapter 3 with me just real quick. I'm going to try to save plenty of time here to do what God told me to do. That'd be good. Talk to you about how I believe God. It's a little daunting for me because I certainly could chronicle a lot more of my mistakes (laughs) in this regard. But I'll do my best. But I want you to notice something else here about this generation and just learn some things. Now you've turned away from 1 Corinthians 10, but right after the fifth verse, it talked about how he wasn't pleased with them for being overthrown. Paul goes on and says, and these are examples for us. It's not like it's irrelevant. These are examples for us. One translation says they are warnings and admonitions. Hallelujah. Need to be paying attention. I believe you are. Praise God. 
Well, let's pick it up in verse 15. Hebrews 3.15 says, While it is said today, when? Don't you love how the Bible updates itself? Yeah. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom He was what? God was grieved, my Bible says. He was grieved 40 years. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. See, God's grieved. Why is He grieved? His people. His chosen people. Their carcasses are laid out in the wilderness. They've died out there over a 40-year period because it goes back to what we read in 1 Corinthians. Their faith was overthrown. Their faith was overthrown. You know, that's not a good testimony for God choose a people, reveal Himself to a people, feed His people supernaturally, reveal Himself... And people refuse to believe, refuse to pay attention. And then the people that God chose get, you know, their casualties out there. That's not a good witness to the world. (laughs) Y'all all right? Glory to God. And I don't want God to be grieved with me. I want God to be pleased with me. I know He loves me, but I want Him to be pleased with me too. He was grieved with that generation because... They failed because they fell short. That's why God grieved him, because he had better, so much more, so much better. To whom swear he, God, that they would not enter into his rest, but to them that what? Believed not. They believed not. And so we see, the Hebrew writer says, so we see that they could not enter in because... Of unbelief. I looked up this word unbelief. Amen. And it means it's a pistos. And uh, what that means is faithlessness. They were faithless. They did not enter in because they were faithless. It means purposeful disbelief. Purposeful disbelief. It's not like in some places in the Gospels you'll see people who tried to believe but fell short or needed help. So you remember the nobleman's nobleman's son that Jesus healed and this nobleman brought his son to the disciples to cast out this devil? Right? And... uh, He couldn't get it out. The disciples couldn't get the devil out. Jesus had to come take care of it. And then privately they asked Jesus, Hey, why couldn't we cast him out? He said, because of your unbelief. But see, they gave an effort. They gave an effort, but they fell short. You remember the one that... uh, Jesus came to, it was another father, maybe the same father, and, and uh, asked, he said, please, please, you know, show me a sign and la, la, la. And he goes, oh, you people, you don't believe nothing if you don't get a sign. No sign's going to be given to you. He says, oh, Jesus, if you can do anything, please help my boy. And Jesus responded right back and said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that Believes. Notice that all things become possible to the one who believes something. Hallelujah. What did the father do in response to that last statement? He threw up his hands and said, Lord, 
I believe. Help thou my unbelief. In other words, he was trying. You ever been there? You know you're doing it wrong, but you're trying. Thank God God can work with that. God can work with that. As pitiful as that was, the boy left delivered. It goes back to what I was saying about Ananias and Sapphira. If you'll just be real, stop trying to impress me or everybody else with your faith talk. And just be real with where you are. Pastor, I'm struggling here. You know, I know what the Word says, but I am. Come on, just be real. Be, if nothing else, be real with God. Because He can work with that. He's not impressed with all your Christianese that you've learned to talk really well. He's not impressed. I, as longer I live, I'm less impressed. You know, I'd be able to fool me. You might be able to fool some other people. People come in, visit in your hospital, and you talk a bunch of faith, but then when you leave... They all leave. You're back to crying and whining and moaning and groaning and talking fear and doubt and unbelief. Well, you might fool us, but you didn't fool God. You certainly didn't fool the devil. Let's just get real. God loves us all. So much better to just say, I'm trying to believe Jesus. Help me. But what we're seeing over here What the children of Israel committed was not that. They chose to disbelieve. Really, it's akin to disobedience. In fact, on the way over here, I was listening to little brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. I feel for you if you don't know who I'm talking about. You need to Google that name when you get home. And uh, but he was talking about the cure for this kind of unbelief is obedience. All those. All those people that were overthrown in the wilderness, all they had to do was do what they were told. Pack up your tent and cross that river. Just do what you're told. So much of what is real faith, guys, girls, gals, is just do what the Bible says. Act like the Bible's so. Just act like the Bible's so. Just act like you believe that God is able to supply all your needs according... To his, I mean, just give it an Oscar-style performance. Fake it until you make it. But I mean, there's just something about us red-blooded Americans that don't want to do what we are told. And this generation didn't either. God said, do this. God said, go there. They just won't. It's dangerous. And they found all, and they just chose not to believe. I'm just going to quote this to you. uh, And we'll talk about some things here. Matthew 21, 22. Jesus talking about prayer. He said, all things. Everybody say all things. things. Come on, everybody say all things. All things. All things. Jesus said, all things whatsoever you ask, believing. Why did he have to say that? We'd all had it made, right? We would have all had it made if he had just left that one little word out of there. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall Receive. You shall. Isn't that positive? So we must learn to really believe God. 
apparently, because of what God said to me today, I've learned something about it. <laughs> I'll just tell stories that maybe come to mind. You know, one of them is just believing that I was called. And we're all called to service. May not call, be called to a pulpit ministry, may not be called to travel, may not be called to pastor a church or to stand behind a pulpit or do anything, you know, that's, that's public or whatever. But we're all called to serve. We're all called to something great in God's kingdom. And, you know, thinking about that, you know, God, God just put, he said, son, when, when I dealt with you about your calling, when I made it known to you, believe me. And so how have I believed God? Well, when God quickened to me that I was called, I believed that I was called. I received that call. I just accepted it in my heart. Man, did it mess with my brain? Sure it did. Sure it did. Here's one thing you must get a revelation of. Brother Scott and I were talking about this before church. Faith only works in the heart. Faith only works. It only produces when it's in your heart. What do I mean in your heart? I don't mean your blood pumper. The Bible uses the term heart primarily to mean your spirit or the core of your being. You are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. You do not believe God with your soul. A lot of Christians, this is where they're missing it. They're in their feelings. They're in their emotions. They're in their mental, they're in the mental arena. You can see them. You know, how you doing? Their computations trying to calculate, okay, what am I supposed to say so I can sound spiritual because I'm talking to pastor here. Yeah. Well, you're not believing from your heart because you don't have to stop and go, okay, give me a minute, let me craft the right answer. When something's in your heart, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth spews forth. It flings forth. So if I spend any time around you very long and you let your guard down just a little bit, I'm going to know what's in your heart. Everyone is. You don't believe God with your gray matter. It will not work. Faith that is in the head is not faith. It's mental assent. And it will not get the job done. You have to get to where you believe something from your spirit, from the core of your being, from your guts, from your insides. You believe something. Somehow or another, God was able to get over to me down in here that I was called to ministry. Now going forward, what does, how does a successful, fruitful, believing God so that we're not overthrown in the wilderness, but we actually get to enter in and experience the good things God has? What does that look like? Well... You know, from the moment I believed that I was called to the ministry, I took almost every, I took everything else off the table as an option in my life. I dream, I dreamed since a ninth grader of going into the medical field and becoming a radiation tech and treating cancer patients. Don't laugh. I mean, I, that's what I was heading towards. I, I watched my grandfather's die of cancer and I wanted to help any way I could and you know, but the moment I believed in my heart that God's future for me was ministry, I didn't entertain any other option from that day forward. If it didn't get me closer to that, then I wasn't doing it. Did I work a secular job? Sure, I did for a while. 
I didn't have any open doors. I didn't have any other direction. But when the door opened, I walked through it. Amen. Praise God. So what does it mean to believe God? What does it mean to believe God? Well, it's not that hard. You know what you really believe. You know what you really, really believe. If you don't believe something enough to act on it, you don't believe it in your heart. And that's a really good test. If your actions contradict what you say you believe in your heart, just accept it, sweetie. You're not there yet. So, you know, praise God. If you believe no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling, hello, that God delivers you from all evil, you're kept by the power of God, then you go to the store if you need to go to the store. And if you say, well, I'm not afraid, Pastor, but I'm using wisdom, you're lying. Is that too bold? I'll take it back if I can. Too late, isn't it? We have to get over this because, right, you, you, we can give lip service all we want to the Word. How do I know if I really believe it in my heart, Pastor? Because that's the only way it works. It's the only way it works. Right? Faith is of the heart. How do I know that? Well, let's give you a scripture. Romans. Y'all doing okay? Yes. Pastor, you're going over this ground again. You've been preaching this for 20 years. Yeah, I'm going to keep on preaching it. Because y'all ain't got it yet. Can I just be honest with you? I hadn't got it all yet. Not near all of it. Amen. Praise God. So let's, let's be sure. Let's check pastor here. Let's just make not, you know, that he just not being boastful here. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. What's the first four words of that verse? For with the heart. What's the fifth and sixth word? Right. Next two words. For with the heart, man believes. Did you get that? For with the heart, man believes. You know what that does not say? With your feelings, you know whether your prayer's answered or not. Are you healed? Well, I sure hope I am. Well, hope's not faith. Are you healed? Well, I sure... When's he going to do it? Ah, <laughs> uh, sometime. I believe he will sometime. Well, you're the donkey chasing the carrot. You'll never catch up to that because... Faith is always now and hope is always future. See, what does God require? The Bible says we know because of the, how we started the lesson what He's not pleased with when our faith is overthrown, when we fail to enter in because of unbelief. Well, what does please Him? Faith pleases Him. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Really, the word please means satisfy. God is not satisfied until He is believed. Well, believe what? You have to believe you have it now. Wouldn't it be silly if you came across someone on the street and you witnessed to them and, and about salvation and said, oh, oh, I've heard all that. In fact, I've been standing I've been believing I received my salvation for 20 years. I'm waiting on God to manifest it. 
I know He'll do it sometime. Before I die, I know my salvation will be manifest. I can see you're looking. A lot of you look like Carrie right now. You're like, you know that's not right. That person, you would talk that. You'd go, ch-ch. Isn't that right? Wouldn't you in love go, ch-ch? You probably wouldn't. But you'd be thinking it. You'd be thinking that. What? Because you don't believe God's not going to manifest it sometime. When are you supposed to believe that He saves you? When you say it. In fact, He's not going to save you until you do say it. In other words, you've got to believe you're saved before He saves you. Well, it's right here. Verse 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And we get that about being saved. Wouldn't that be silly? You would tell that person, no, no, you're not waiting on anything. He's already saved you. You've got to believe you receive it. You've got to receive it. You've got to believe in your heart that you're saved. The same thing is true with so many other things you want and need from God, like your healing. Christians miss it here. Oh, I do believe. I do believe, Pastor. I believe I'm well. I'm just waiting on Him to manifest it. That's not how that rolls. That's not how that goes. Apart from seeing, apart from feeling, apart from doctor's reports, you have to believe you receive and have your healing while it is in its unmanifested form. See, faith sees through the storm like a radar on an airplane. Faith, right, doesn't talk the storm. It talks the outcome. Like a radar, faith sees through the storm. Therefore, faith never talks the storm. It always talks the outcome. Faith always tells, while there's no physical evidence, how it's going to turn out before it turns out that way. We heard a wonderful testimony of that from several people. Sister Arlene, Brother Harold, about how they were healed back in 2018. And it's just now that the doctors are catching up with him. He's known it for two years. But only now are the tests showing it up. Only now are the doctors saying, okay, I get it. But he's had it all the time. Not in his physical form, but he believed he had it in his heart. I remember one time... Uh, praise God. Well, it was, God had made known to us that we were to buy this, buy land. Not, well, we didn't know it was this land yet. To buy land, relocate, build a building. And I had set it as a goal. We had about $25,000 left on the Jackson Street location mortgage. And I wanted to retire that. And uh, so I just had it in my heart to believe God for all of that money to come in. Now, that would be a big miracle in our church today, still, one special offering, $25,000. But we've come a long way since then. I have. A lot of us have that have been here that long. And back then, I'll just tell you, $25,000 to me looked like one hundred and fifty dollars back then. Impossible. 
But I said in 30 days, you believe God, I believe God, let's all prepare something in one service. That's all we're going to do. We're going to praise God. We're going to worship God. We're going to receive this offering. We're going to retire that debt. And I just made myself say that all the money will come on that day. All the money will come on that day. Well, that was fun to say on day one. And that was fun to say on day two. When you got up to around day 20, and day 25, and that service is coming this week. And we all get in there and we're all blinking our eyes, amen, and, and we open up the service and I come up after praise and worship, say, all right, praise God, I believe, I receive in my heart, I've had it all this month, it's going to come in $25,000, I'm going to retire this debt today. And I don't know, about 12, 13, 14,000 came in fast. And we were rejoicing. But we, we blew all we had in the tank to get to about 14,000. And everything in my senses said, stupid, stupid, stupid. You're gonna, everybody here is going to find out what a faith guy, what a fraud you are. 14,000 is good, but it's not 25. And you've been boasting all month saying, I believe, I receive in my heart. God told me to tell you how I believe God. You've got to be willing to look like the fool. Because most people around you are not believing. They want to stand way back and watch. Way out of the stone's throw range of where you're standing. And I mean all this pressure. What are we going to do? Well, I bought some time. Let's just praise God some more. There's more money coming from somewhere. I don't know where, but more money's coming. Let's just praise God some more. Strike up the band. Anybody here that day? You remember that service? Oh, wow. And I mean, we praise God when maybe a little bit more come in, a little bit more come in. People run to their cars, grab their pocket change, but pocket change ain't going to do it. We need another eleven, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. And I mean, and I'm just telling you, it would have been the easiest thing in the world to say, well, praise God, you know, hey, we shot for the sun. We didn't quite get there. We shot the moon. That's pretty good. You know, thank God. Let's praise God. Amen. You're dismissed. Let's go home and forget all about it. That's what I felt like doing. But we just stayed there, stayed there, and I just refused. Because I believed. Because I believed. And we believed as a church. Well, I don't know. We had a pretty raucous Holy Ghost time there praising God. And all of a sudden, I'm under this pressure. I see a little group in one corner of the church back there. And everybody in that group, I think Amber was back in that group, was crying. They're all crying. I thought, oh my God, what's happened? Now we're all crying. And so they had called my wife back there, and they were crying. And then all of a sudden, Ashley and Alex had come up, a couple in our church back then. And I didn't know they had it. They had inherited, I guess, this little shotgun house. It wasn't worth a whole lot, but they had sold it for, I think, $12,500. And they said, God has moved on us in this service to give that. And I said, are you sure? I mean, are you sure? You know, because people can get emotional and, and the people are right hard. And I said, listen, are you sure? Oh, they were convinced. And they gave, we went over the top. And it was a great victory. See, great things will come if you'll just hang in there and believe God. Just believe God. <laughs> we got lots of practice believing God when it came to this thing. Wow. Hallelujah. 
Help me, Father. I mean, I, there's so many accounts, so many stories. I, I remember times of healing. You know, you remember the story about my lower leg. And all that time just in pain, my goodness. And you know, and you make your confessions, you know, by His stripes I'm healed, and you just want to leave. You're just like with a casual confession. You know, I, I understand it. By His stripes I'm healed. Okay, where's it at? That's where a lot of people's faith is. They want it quick. You know, put the quarter in, out of confession, there goes the pain. That's what we want. <laughs> right? A little bit more to it than that. You got to feed that word. You got to feed whatever promise it is down in your heart, past your mind, down in your heart. Preachers for decades have tried to come up with language to try to describe how you know it's gone from your head to your heart. I don't think I could ever improve upon the Coke machine, the vending machine analogy. You know, you ever walk up to a, a vending machine, you put that quarter in, you know by the sound whether or not it, it went in. If you, you've had that disheartening experience where you put it in and it stole it. You know it stole it. It took it about halfway, didn't register on its little computer or mechanism in there, but it's got your quarter. But you know it didn't go all the way in. A lot of people, they hear the word and they shout amen. But the promise didn't go all the way in, go kerplunk down in the register. So you just keep feeding, my God shall supply, my God shall supply, my God shall, my God shall, my God shall, my God shall supply. And you just keep feeding it in there until it goes kerplunk down on the bottom. And when that happens, your questions are over. Your circumstances may not change, but you go, I got it. Yeah. That bill's paid. Yeah. Now you're walking around with a faith, with a belief, with a confidence that is yours. Yeah. And when, those, when you find someone that's entered into that kind of moment, <laughs> you can't convince them it's not going to come to pass. But people who are trying to grind this out in their brain trying to figure out tongues in their brain. I tried that once. You know, when my, that's, I was really slow to receive the baptism with the Holy Ghost because I was in my head. You got to get out of your head. You got to believe with your heart that Jesus said what He said. The Bible means what He says. He wants to endue your life with power from on high. He wants to move upon your spirit and enable you to speak in a tongue that is known to angels and to God. And you have to believe you receive Him, though He is in you already by the new birth, you have to believe you receive what you ask for and then expect to speak in other tongues. Amen. And until I got to that place, I didn't speak in tongues, and you won't either. I've had just countless situations where, you know, uh, going good for a while, and then for whatever reason, five families, just not together, but one goes here, and then another leaves, and they take their wallets with them, and, you know, finances go down. Well, what are you going to do? Fold it up, cut the budget, quit, whine, cry? No. What I've learned to do, Marilyn, is just believe God. Amen. Well, believe what? Well, believe God that He's big enough. Right? Believe God that He's bigger than Sister Sally who took her wallet and her 
thumb-sucking, you know, whatever, and got mad at something I said. <laughs> out there sucking her thumb. and We got some thumb-suckers out there tonight. Won't come to church. Whatever, that's fine. Praise God. <laughs> I'm not mad at anybody. That's Dr. Dufresne in me. Just stop it. I can't help it. I got an impartation from my spiritual father. People aren't going to get anywhere if you can't talk straight to them. And church, you know, we're going to wind it down, but look around. It's the last days. Isn't it? Better get with it. Better learn how to believe God. <laughs> so, man, remember the time we were at uh, Pastor Bobby's church by then? having church there while we were building this building. We had just moved there, maybe been there two weeks. And literally, it's like I had a vision. I didn't, but it was like I had. It was like a hand reached over into the ministry and turned off the financial spigot all at once. Like the whole church family decided, they, it was a coup. They all decided to stop giving at once. Let's play a joke on Pastor Chris. We're all going to stop giving at once. Let's see what kind of faith he's got. And I remember walking into the financial office going, who stopped giving? Tell me. I'll go talk to him, find out what's wrong, try to apologize. But in the natural, we couldn't find any one thing or event about where the finances went. It was weird. Well, what are you going to do? Believe God. I just believe God. So I just stood in there and just from my heart, Father, I just trust you, right? I I put my confidence in you. I am leaning on you. Glory to God. I just believe I received my supply. You're going to turn this around. I spent a whole week praying in tongues. That's all I did. And at the end of the week, God never spoke to me. I never had a revelation. No angel appeared to me. The whole week. I mean, I didn't take any phone calls. I didn't take any appointments. I went into an uncomfortable kind of a room. And I only came out to have lunch. And for five days I prayed. Eight hours in tongues. Never got a goose bump. Nothing. You'd think God had given me a goose bump just to reward me for my effort. Give me some encouragement. Can I see at least one angel this week? Come on. Dr. Jacob sees them, you know, morning, noon, and night. I don't get Praise God. But all I know, church, is that it seemed like by the end of that prayer time, that week of believing God, someone reached back over and turned on saying, there came the money again. See, it's believing God that's going to put you over in these last days. And we don't have to put a lot of preachy, cool, hip kind of spiritual language on it. What does it mean to believe God? It means to trust Him. It means to count and judge him trustworthy. When you don't see, when you don't feel, when it doesn't look like it's working, you decide to trust him. You decide to believe that what is written is true and no lie, regardless of what it looks like. And you do everything you can do to act like that word is true. Everything. I know God told me to talk about me, but... I remember the story that Pastor Nancy told about uh, a lady in her church, I believe it was in her church, and her son, I believe it was, had 
paralysis from the lower legs down or something like that. Could not walk. I can't remember what the polio, I don't remember what the issue was. But she came to a service, had hands laid upon the boy. There's no change. Nothing really happened. But what this lady did, she believed God. She just believed God. She believed she received and she refused to quit. And so every day for an hour, she's a stay-at-home mom, she pulled that kid out of the chair and she drug that kid across the floor back and forth expecting that kid to take off and walk. And she did this every day for a year. And on the 365th day, she drug that boy across the, and he jumped up, stalked, took off running. Isn't that precious? See, think about all the opportunities she had to feel stupid. To give up and quit. Because for a solid year, every day, all she saw in her senses was stupid, stupid, stupid. This doesn't work. This is impossible. But she kept acting right on what she knew. See, believing God is going to inspire an action. Faith from the heart is always going to inspire some sort of action. And Christians are funny, you know, they get in trouble. They hear it like we had a testimony service and, you know, I, I, I haven't seen really this personally, but lots of examples around me, you know, someone gets up and says, I've got to give a testimony, everybody. God spoke to me by the Holy Ghost. I was praying the other day and God told me to give my car away. And so I gave him a car away, and, and it's a week later. I gave that a week ago, and I got a brand new car. Isn't that great? But then what someone does is they go, that worked. I'm going to go give my car away. And they go give their car away, and they walk for 10 months. Then they say, this faith stuff doesn't work. Hello. They say this face. Well, listen, the first guy was acting on what God said to him. And when you remember what I talked about, those three vital things, living in the center of God's will, developing your faith, being led by the spirit. Got to have them. Got to become proficient in those three areas or you're not going to make it. That's my conviction in these last days. God's going to help us all, but you've got to get real, got to get serious. Well, see, he was led by the Holy Ghost. The Bible does say give and you shall receive. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. But God told that guy to give his car. And when he acted on what God said in faith, it always works. But Brother Duty Doe over here, what's he acting on? What word is he acting on? He's acting on the word of the guy who gave his testimony of what he did that God told him to do. He's not acting on a word from God to him. That's not faith, that's dumb. That's not faith, that's foolishness. That's not faith, that's assumption. That's not faith, that's uh, presumption. Don't do that kind of thing. Oh, so, so that guy stopped taking their blood pressure medicine. And they were healed. I'm going to stop taking my blood pressure medicine. Hear this all the time. And they end up in the hospital or dead or worse. No, 
No, sweetie, God's going to move for you based on what you believe, based on what He said to you. God helped somebody else say, Ooh, I saw Pastor Chris, Pastor Amber, man. They, God told them to build a building, and they, they went out and built a building. Man, it was tough, and that building's nice. That building's beautiful. Look what God's done for them. I'm going to go build me a building, some pastor. You may not make it. That's why 80%, the statistics are 80% of pastors that complete a building project are either out of the ministry or dead six months after they finish. Y'all hearing me tonight? Comes down to, Brother Tony, what do you believe about the Word? What do you believe? What's God said to your heart? Man, I want the kind of life Pastor Chris has, man. You know, doesn't have to go to work. Doesn't work. Just reads his Bible. Prays. People give him money. I just want, number one, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going to do a double-handed. <laughs> That'd be like me saying, I'm going to go be like Brother Scott. I'm going to go be a mechanical engineer. I'm not, that's, gonna, that's not going to work. All things, whatsoever you ask, believing, you shall receive. But what you're believing, Rex, what you're believing has to be God to you. Nothing secondhand. Nothing going, ooh, that's cool. Let's go do that. That's not faith. God did it for them, He'll do it for me. If you do what they did, if you meditate in the Word like they did, if you plant the word in your heart like they did, it absolutely will. Healing absolutely will work for you. Financial prosperity and harvest on your seed absolutely will work for you. But you can't just take some head action because you like some testimony you heard. You have to really do what they did. See, I've long kind of wished a little bit in my heart that God would have seen fit to give me some of the spectacular supernatural experiences of some of my spiritual parents. Like Dr. Jacobs who operates in discerning of spirits and sees over into that realm. And, and, uh, or, you know, Dr. Dufresne, just, just other, Brother Hagen, oh my gosh. But I've come to appreciate the way God's trained me, and it's going to be the lion's share of all of us. Remember when Jesus appeared to the eleven, and the eleven went out and told Thomas, hey, we've seen the Lord. We've seen the resurrection. He's alive. The tomb really is empty. It's really true. Mary wasn't telling on him. I mean, it's just really true. He goes, ah, I'm not going to believe. Unless I see, I will not believe. About that time, Jesus shows up. He says, well, Thomas, here's my hand. Go ahead and put your finger in. I would have felt embarrassed. I'm sure he did. I'm sure Jesus didn't let him off the hook on that either. No, come on, big boy. Here's the wound in my side. Go ahead, thrust your fist up in there. Find out. 
big believer, big faith man. And Thomas said, oh, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. But blessed are those who have not seen, yet believe. If God's seen fit to train you in line the way that He's seen fit to train me, where I don't have a lot of these spectacular type of spiritual experiences, you're blessed. You're blessed when you can believe what's written because it's written. And stand on that word and believe it in your heart. Not just with your mind, but believe it in your heart. And see that thing come to pass. Let God inspire an action in you, Andy, that's you. It's genuine and it's real and you act on that. It's going to work for you every time. Rebecca, it'll work for you guys. You've worked it. Many of us have, right? Hallelujah. But none of us are going to receive what we're praying for if we don't believe. A lot of Christians need to hear that, that message because what the way they've been taught is pray your prayer. If it comes to pass, God wanted you to have it. Have you, have you heard that? Have you heard that? Have you been around that kind of thinking? And if it doesn't come, if it doesn't come to pass, if your healing doesn't come, then sweetie, just trust God. He didn't want that for you. That's religious bunk. Religious bunk that keeps people in bondage. It's not what Jesus said. It's not Jesus. It's a much better than that. Throw your prayer out there. If God wants to heal your baby, he will. If not, he's, got, he's weaving some sort of tapestry Then on the other side of heaven will... Feeling a little ornery tonight, Brett. Let's close. Let's hear that scripture again. What did Jesus say? All things. Now you understand, He doesn't mean ridiculous stuff that's not in the Word. He said, okay, I'm going to, Father, I asked for 10 million oil wells. Okay, fine. What did he say? All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing. You think that guy really believes he's going to get 10 million old wells? No. So Jesus is still on good ground, isn't he? All things whatsoever you shall pray, believing you shall receive. So let's just close being real and honest. If I pray something that's in the Bible and I don't receive it, what do I know? Does it mean you're bad? mean God don't love you? You're hopeless, you ought to be expelled from the church? No, of course not. Welcome to the club. We've all failed in these areas. We're all growing. But if we're humble, and we're going to be honest, and we're going to be scriptural, and we're really going to make progress, we're going to just have to say, I must not have really believed it. And then just go back to feeding your faith and grow and develop and go again. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know if I helped you tonight. I preached myself to a pretty good place, but I don't know about you. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. God is desirous to do things for His church in these last hours. Come on, of the church age. 
Praise God. So many prophecies uh, are remaining to be fulfilled. Miracles greater than what is recorded in the book of Acts are supposed to be coming to pass. And I believe they will. God wants to elevate you and bless you and get you over into the promised land. But it's going to take believing from your heart. Amen. So let's be about the work of believing. Praise God. Our victories are sure when we really believe. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you.